Red Business with Jonathan Healy. Hi there and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode, I get an education in seaweed and also we check out some shiny new offices that are just after opening in the heart of Cork's new docklands. But you'll probably know our first guest for a number of reasons. Her honesty and openness about her weight loss journey, how she was executive head chef at a famous Cork restaurant at the age of 21. She has best-selling cookbooks and success as a corporate speaker all around the country. But today, she's here to talk about one of her most recent adventures, establishing her own company and preparing for a very busy market in a couple of months' time. You're very welcome to Red Business, Trisha Lewis. How are you? I am brilliant, and thank you so much for having me. This is class. Uh, look, I'm, as you know something, you're making me talk about the C word. I'm going to have to say it even though we, we aren't really uh, past Halloween at all, even close to it. It's Christmas market you're getting ready for, is it? I know. And listen, if we've learned anything over the last two years, that's not the worst C word. So we go with it. (laughs) That's very true. (laughs) So getting all organised now for the next couple of weeks, um, which is quite fun. So it's it's called Sharp by Trisha Lewis, I believe. So what is it? It is. So basically it is my first ever company and it is kitchen knives. So my background is in chefing and I suppose it's the tools of my trade. And I often found whenever I was training chefs, that if they had the wrong utensils, you know, they obviously a bad workman can't blame their tools, but sometimes you can if your carrots aren't chopped properly. <laughs> so I decided that over lockdown, out for a walk one day, and it just kept coming into my head, what did I want to do? And it just kept coming back to, to knives, and that's what I did. So very, very proud of it. The first batch sold out. Second batch arrived yesterday evening, and we're just ready to rock. Now, I, I have a lovely image of you with your own forge out in the back garden, but I'm presuming <laughs> um, they've been designed by you and made somewhere else, yeah? Yes, yeah, so they're designed by me and they were manufactured in Portugal. Okay, and what's so special about them? Because we all have knives in the kitchen, some blunter than others and some less effective than they should be. So what's different about Sharp by Trisha Lewis? Well, I think that there hasn't been an original idea in about a thousand years. So at the end of the day, they're a knife, they cut vegetables, but they'll hold their edge. Because they're a serrated edge with a rounded tip on top, they won't blunt as quickly as other knives. So often you'll find if you buy a set of knives, you might have 10 of them on the block, but you'll only use one, if not two. And the rest of them kind of lose their edge over time because they just the metal on them isn't as high quality as they should. So with these knives, I'm looking at kind of, I've been using the same one now for about two and a half years and it has not lost its edge yet. So it's all about longevity, ease of use and safety. So that's why I love them. And they've got a beautiful presentation box and they've got a little safety seal on them. You know, if you want to pop them into your handbag, bring them into work, you know, things like that. So they're just, they're just brilliant. They're color coded and, they're, the quality of them is very, very high. And I suppose I always knew I would be supported. So I'm delighted that the mm. feedback has been insane. I've on even on the website over 500 five-star reviews, which is just mind-blowing. Okay. And now can I just go back to one thing you said there? They're colour-coded. This would save me a fortune of time in the kitchen because I'm forever taking out the wrong one out of the block. I'm looking for the serrated one. I'll pull out the non-serrated one. I'm looking for the cheese knife and I'll pull out the one that isn't the cheese knife. It's like the person who designed the block wanted to annoy me. I don't know why they did it that way. (laughs) I'm glad somebody has come up with a better system. But you guys in kitchens, professional kitchens, have always colour-coded, haven't you? Yeah, and I suppose in all of the tricks of the trade that I learned over the years and everything that I found annoying, like like you said there with the night block, I poured it into kind of these ones being like, let's cut out all of this 
the stuff and let's just bring it to the simplicity of a good knife that will chop through a carrot and a parasite up without giving you a torn shoulder. You know, <laughs> you don't want to, like, the knife should do the work for you. Yeah, and uh, we talked about the Christmas market. Uh, it's very important because it's the time of year that the last thing you want in Christmas Day is to be carving the turkey or cutting the ham with something that is as blunt as you know what. Yes, yes, 100%. Like, it's like buying a beautiful car and then putting crap wheels in it. You know, if you're going to do this beautiful spreading food, thinking the, the kind of the carving knife, the utensils, all of that at the start of it. And it just makes life easier. And I think that until you actually use it, and I've always had a dream, so-and-so is like, where's that good knife? Where's the good small black knife? I want people to say, where's the good Trisha knife? So, and so far, I think it's working. You, you've been really, really busy, as we know, talking about healthy body image and talking about lifestyle. Uh, how do you find time for all of this, Trisha? I mean, it, it must be difficult for you to squeeze it all in. Yeah, um, do you know what? It's all about time management, I suppose. And often when I'm complaining, I'm like, right, Beyonce, she's 24 hours a day. And look at her exercise regime. I'll be able to get it done. So it's all about kind of just putting things that need to be put first and kind of unnecessary, busy fluff in the middle saying no. So often my new mantra, because like, it can get overwhelming, is I often say, I'll say no to say yes later, as opposed to saying yes and then being forced to say no. So just pushing things that are the most important things first, which is for me is health, then it's business, and then it's kind of like, I suppose, lifestyle. Yeah. Of course, when you're in a kitchen, it's pressure, pressure, pressure. That's the, it, it, I always think it's the most toxic environment for anybody. They just don't look after themselves. Do, do, you, do you still find that when you do go into the kitchen, that, that the old habits creep back in? small bit you can sometimes kind of you know it's very hard you can take years to kind of break a habit and seconds to bring it back again so you'd find sometimes you're like oh god I haven't done that now because I've been putting everybody else before me which is a a, kind of a very high characteristic with chef everybody gets fed before you and then you pick the wrong food so but I'm getting better and better at managing and kind of setting up boundaries and being like no Everybody will benefit if I put myself first. Yeah. If I put myself last, I'd be like a weasel. So stop it. See, I'm I'm terrible like that. If I'm cooking for the family, guess whose plate I do first? It isn't it isn't the kids. Uh, I I look yeah. a, I look after number one. I did, that's why I would not be good in a professional kitchen. I'd I'd probably be leave everybody waiting for their dinner. You've also been no, work- don't worry, I will get fed. <laughs> it might be just thrown up in the plate as opposed to garnished. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or the garnished. That's only for the people outside. You work as a Dove self esteem ambassador as well. Um, how how was it to front that campaign because I know you've spoken in the past about feeling sometimes like a bit of an imposter uh, which everybody has when they're, when they're fronting something like this what was it like to be involved in that campaign I, I, like mind blowing to be part of a dove like and to be an ambassador is the coolest thing in the entire world I'll be honest but to be part of something that is a campaign that I really truly believe is very close to my heart so the self-esteem campaign is all about kind of arming the younger generation with tools to give them self-confidence and to look after themselves because at the moment there's frightening statistics with nine out of ten girls and six out of ten boys don't have a high body self-esteem which is just so upsetting because i'm like lads if i could go back and think i was as fresh as i thought i was at that age i'd do it to go back we always are very hard on ourselves and i think that with social media with comparison everything is kind of very hard on the younger generation I think so with this it's like a free online resource that teachers can download and arm them with the tools that they deserve because you know what everybody is perfect we're all as we are and I think that once we start accepting ourselves the world becomes a little bit easier but when you're that when you when you're at a vulnerable age of between 10 and 17 everything can seem so much worse so mm. to be part of a campaign that can kind of front it and go listen 
you know, these are the most wonderful years of your life and this is what you can do to maybe feel a little bit better. And if you see somebody in your class that's struggling, you know, don't be a sheeple. Be the person that stands aside and goes, right, I'm going to do this even though it's not part of the norm. I'm going to see how my friend's okay and I'm not going to be part of gossip and I'm going to see the best in everyone, including the image that's looking at me in the mirror. Well, I would tell you, if I could go back to the, the 17-year-old me, I definitely have a very strong word about your grand. Uh, that's the most important thing. It's your grand, it'll be grand. If all of us could uh, could give that advice to 17-year-old selves, we definitely would have. How do you get your hands on Sharp by Trisha Lewis? Is there a website? There is, so they're available on my website, www.trishastransformation.ie, and I'll be at a couple of markets over the Christmas period, which is really cool, because I've only launched the business in April, but I'll be at the gifted um, exhibition in the RDS for five days in Dublin, so... As a small business, I'm like, oh my lord, they let me in. Just look, <laughs> it'll be good fun. Well, come here, it's great though. No one will haggle with you because you've got so many sharp knives within your reach. Uh, they'll definitely be that. The price is the price, and that's it. Listen, there's no such thing as bad marketing. <laughs> if it happens, it happens. <laughs> Tricia Lewis, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much. Our next guest company in West Cork has been a pioneer in the world of seaweed, particularly the kind of seaweed known as dulse, and is set to grow its operations even further. The team at Pure Ocean Algae had good reason to celebrate recently because it secured €1.5 million in funding to expand both its operations and its staff numbers. Michael O'Neill is the founder uh, of the Pure Ocean Algae company. He's with us now. Hello, Michael. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? It's lovely to talk to you. Um, let me visualise dulse for me. Is, is it the type of kind of brown seaweed we see everywhere? No, it's a red, purpley, very, very rich purple colour. Okay. And, uh, generally what you call a small plant, you know, compared to the likes of kelp. And it's around most of our shorelines, but not in huge volumes. Why is this particular type special? Well, I think it has a history, it's high in protein, and it has a history of being used as a protein source going back to the Vikings. When the, the Vikings were marauding around uh, northern Europe, they'd always carry a bag of dulse with them because it was, it, when it was dried, it would last indefinitely, and it was a, a great source. If you had nothing else to eat at all, you could always rely on your dulse to bring you through. So it goes back a, a long time. Again, northern Europe wouldn't be, I suppose... Uh, it wouldn't normally be a place where seaweed has been eaten. You know, Europe, it's, a, it's not a market that's well-educated in the, the ways of seaweed, as the Far East might be. But, right. um, yeah, again, it was something that goes back a long time over well, that particular species. Yes, well, fair play to the Vikings. One of the many things they brought us over the years. Um, what is it used for now, though? You're hardly kind of, you know, putting it out in its raw form. So it's, it's made into products, I presume. Well, it's, it's used as an ingredient, and we're basically uh, providing that ingredient. And um, we're uh, basically B2B business. We're dealing with other businesses directly in wholesale. So, again, we we grow the product, uh, we process the product here in the Vera Peninsula, and we basically sell as a dried leaf or a powder, depending on the requirements of the customer. Mm. And how does it end up then in product? Uh, it, like, what type of things are we talking about? Pharmaceutical, cosmetics? Is it food? I would talk well, uh, pr- predominantly food. Uh, again, we're doing some work at the moment with the Carberry Group and the University of Limerick in developing a management tool for type two diabetes, where we extract a fraction of the protein that's found in dulse, which uh, exceptionally. 
good for that particular use, and we're looking at basically commercialising that. So there is a pharmaceutical element there eventually. There's a, a long road between where we are and pharmaceutical level, but we're we're starting, and we've progressed quite well, to be quite truthful about it. Uh, cosmetics would be another area where um, dulse extracts would be used extensively. Right. So we're aiming at the higher end model, um, higher end markets. And all of these products come from something that just grows naturally out in the sea. But how easy is it to grow in on mass? Is is it something you can cultivate relatively easily? And where do you do it? Uh, no, it isn't. It's very very. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're actually the only people growing it in the sea, apparently in the world. We, there may be other people doing it. We just haven't seen them. There's no one. There's certainly uh, very, very little uh, dulse grown. Some can be uh, grown in tanks, but again, that's limited and very expensive. So we basically uh, developed a process uh, that allows us to cultivate it, to manipulate the plant inside in tanks in our hatchery here in Cahirmore, uh, in on the Bear Peninsula. Uh, we have a 20,000-square-foot facility, which we're adapting. Uh, I suppose that's where a lot of our... Uh, investor money will be going to allow us to grow our actual capacity to produce reproductive material. We have two seed farms ourselves where we transfer the material after hatching and settling on our our, uh, substrates and put that to sea. It's in the water for six months and then we harvest. But generally speaking, it's not that plentiful compared to other seaweeds. Right, okay. So in other words, it is a specialist product in, in, in the in the very true sense of the word. You're hiring people. Who are you looking for? Uh, at the moment, we've, we're just after hiring uh, a biologist, I suppose, to add to our existing biologist for R&D. And we're looking at people, I suppose, at the moment with uh, a marine-based skill set. I think uh, we're very lucky, I suppose, being a, I suppose, a fishing community, that we have people that have those skill sets Um out of here, they're difficult to get. I think one of our uh, big uh, assets is that we can actually make things happen on water. You know, we've got a, a big history in the locality of aquaculture and sea fisheries. And uh, again, I think we can we can utilise those skills going forward. And maybe with the I suppose the pressure that's on the commercial industry at the moment, and it, it seems to be under ferocious pressure that maybe we can provide some form of alternative for people that are involved in that industry or looking to expand into another industry. It's, it's remarkable. It's, a, it's an industry I knew nothing about and you've brought us on a wonderful tour of it. No better place to do it than down in West Cork. Michael O'Neill of Pure Ocean Algae. Best of luck to you and the Dulce. We'll talk again. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jonathan. If you're hybrid, flexible, or a remote worker, you have another place where you can get your free coffee now. Iconic Offices have officially opened their first branch outside Dublin. It's located in Navigation Square in the heart of the new Docklands. The latest addition to Cork's range of flexible workspaces is known as NSQ2. It has a 14,000 square foot facility and is very fancy by all accounts. Jason Slater is the Iconic Offices commercial area manager in Cork. He's with us now. Hi, Jason. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? I'm very well. Lovely to talk to you. Tell us about what people can expect when they go through the door. Ah, okay. So, um, first up, what you'll expect is a, a premium five-star finish, Jonathan. So, um, I suppose one of the cornerstones of Iconic Offices is that we're very much design-led. Um, obviously, we'd be very um, functional and intentional about how we fit out our office spaces, but very much design-led. Um, so, when I say that, I mean you're, you're met by uh, parquet floors. We've got 
uh, features such as um, floor to ceiling birch wood lined um, areas. We have full ceiling to floor windows. Um, you'll find a lot of live planting as well, which is part of our biophilia interior design concept. So lots of live plants as well. Um, as the overall, I suppose the objective with the space is to create a um, this was a highly functional, desirable work workspace um, that's very much design-led and then on the service side of things will be very much hospitality-focused. Okay, so very, very pretty and, and very functional. Is it is it hot desking? Have you got individual spaces? How does it work? Well, I'll give you an overview, Jonathan. As well as Iconic Offices, we have um, 16 locations in Dublin. Uh, this is our first move outside of Dublin, coming to Navigation Square in Cork. So we have a mix of hot desks, as you call them. Um, so there's two options when it comes to the hot desking. We have what we call floating membership. That allows people to come in and out and just choose a desk as they need. And then we've also got uh, dedicated desks, which will also be in our co-working space. Um, but the, I suppose the bulk of the square footage and the larger part of our business model will be focused around um, the private office suites. Um, so here in Navigation Square, it's a mix of um, uh, 20 offices in total on the floor, Jonathan. So um, there's everything from a four workstation um, set up right up to a 30 and a 36 would be the largest workstation private office we have here. So we're very much we're more private office suites focused. Although, yes, the hot desking will be part of our model as well. Mm. So you're really kind of at the heart of everything there. Loads of lovely pubs nearby. Uh, the Docklands is all going to be developed from further south of you. So you kind of have everything in the one space. And it's a lovely building because I've been in Navigation Square 1. Uh, and I'm presuming Navigation Square 2 is, is finished as well as the first one was. Uh, yeah, similar spec, and um, I suppose what jumps to mind there, Jonathan, when you bring that up with me, is these buildings have been finished to what's called a lead standard. So it's the, I suppose it's 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 a grade A building in terms of efficiency. Um, they're very much sealed, um, sealed. So um, I mean, part of some of the accreditation that we're looking for in terms of providing a workspace as well, we'll look at things like air quality, light quality. Um, drinking water quality as well. So I mean that all those kind of things are, are audited and at a very high spec. Um, so for example, like our, obviously we've got air conditioning as you might imagine in all the offices and workspaces. Um, but the, suppose the air feed into the air conditioning units would be all um, P7 filtered and so it's 100% fresh air that's pumped into the spaces. Okay. And so th things like th things like that we're looking at. Yeah, small things make a big difference. But I, I, Jason, I hate to tell you, I hope you're sitting down. They, they say the office is dead. <laughs> they say that no one's ever going to go back to the office ever again. You're after opening a new office complex. You must be terrified, are you? Not at all, no. It's uh, The interest has been huge so far, Jonathan. Um, yeah, there's a lot of dynamics, and I think misunderstanding as well around offices at the moment um, and use of commercial space, as it was a lot of that, as we can all imagine, is um, in post-COVID. Um, I suppose we would probably um, see statistics um, bucking that trend in terms of people are coming out of, um, I suppose, what we would term as traditional landlord leases. They're looking for flexible spaces like what we offer. Um, as was the idea here is whether you're one person or, or 20 people or 30 people or you need a day, a week, a month, a year, two years, three years, we can um, we can cater to the, the demand and I suppose the third workspace and the hybrid workspacing workspace model which we lend ourselves to so um okay. i know we're in the we're, we're in the right space at the right time if so you yeah, like the demise of the office is somewhat exaggerated how good is the coffee though because that's probably the deciding factor for a lot of businesses in the modern market is it decent the coffee is amazing we've um actually partnered we've partnered with soma coffee which i'm sure many of the listeners will will uh will know 
about. So um, Soma, um, we've chosen a couple of beans here to, to, to use um, as part of our our neighbourhood partnership, I guess. Iconic offices would always, we've, we've quite a large uh, partner network set up and uh, uh, we'll be trying to, as well, partner with, um, we'll be trying to partner win-win relationships with local suppliers. Um, so, yeah, to answer to your question is the coffee's amazing. Yes, damn good coffee. Uh, at that, and, and the shininess alone should get people in for the next while. What's the website if people want to look you up, Jason? Uh, it's um, iconicoffices.com. Okay, very good. And you'll see not only the Dublin spaces, but of course the brand new Cork one as well. Jason Slater, Iconic Offices, Commercial Area Manager. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Pleasure, Jonathan. Thank you. That's it from this episode of Red Business. Don't forget you can listen back to every episode and look at our video series, Red Business in Focus, with thanks to Cork Local Enterprise Offices on the website, redfm.ie. Kieran McDonough was the producer, and as always, we'll catch you on the next one. Get the Red Business Podcast every week with Jonathan Healy at redfm.ie and wherever you get your podcasts.